welcome to the More Than Punk podcast. I'm Sid McKay, as always, uh, but this week I am hanging out with a band called Few Too Many. They are local lads, and I have to ask, are you looking, and I feel like if you listen to this show, you're definitely going to say yes to this, but are you looking for more pop punk? Are you looking for more British pop punk? Because these guys are going to be your thing. And it's been so cool to have a couple of local pop punk bands on the show recently. Obviously, we had Worthless a few weeks back. Um, we've got a few too many this week. I'll be joined by Danny and Luke. And it's really great. We talk about the evolution of pop punk from the 90s right up until now. And we get into the guy's songwriting process, which I think is always fun without looking too much behind the curtain. You know, it's that kind of thing of, Wizard of Oz. If you get the whole way behind the curtain, you're kind of like, oh, this isn't really, it's not really fun anymore. But I like that we sort of talk around the edges of it. You know, we get to understand the process a little more, how the songs come together, what makes the song finished, and that whole thing. You know, are bands dictatorships or they democracies? It depends on the band, and I think that's always a cool thing to talk about. So we dive into that a little bit. We've got a brand new track from them too, which is a banger. Uh, you're listening to it right now. And I'm looking forward to playing it for you at the end of the show. These guys have new music out, so make sure you check it out. Spotify, Apple, you know where to get your music from. The fucking Record Store. Record Store Day Part 2 is coming up. I saw a poster today, uh, 17th of July, I think, so just a little under a month away. So get on that shit. This is my conversation with a few too many. You're on the More Than Punk podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's cool to have you both on. Um, so tell me what kind of music you've been listening to lately. What's on the What's on the Spotify? So for me, um, besides all the usual '90s, 2000s music, uh, there's quite... '90s like Spice Girls or '90s like cool. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, uh, sorry, like old school pop punk, like Blink 182, Sum 41, Green Day. Those bands are pretty much on my repeat every single day. Um, but besides those, there's uh, five other bands that I'm jamming quite a lot recently. Uh, there's College Radio. Those guys are really cool. Uh, there's a band called Glimmers. Um, there's a band called Felicity, who they've just put out. Um, uh, I think they just joined. I'm not sure which lab- uh, was the name of the label, but they've just put out a new uh, single called Pendulum, which is like really sort of heavy pop punk, but it's, it's right up my street. It's like a day to remember kind of style stuff nice Uh, really really cool um and uh yeah so like those are kind of my top three that i've kind of been cycling through this week uh i don't know about luke um quite a variety really um the goalkeeper put a new reimagined track out so uh, they did black and blue off of their ep yeah as an acoustic so i've been listening to that and that's great um holding absence put a new album out on great band friday and that's great. Um, still listening to Deftones record from last year, which I think for me was my album of the year. Um, Lonely the Brave as well, their record. And new Cannibal Corpse single. I'm quite looking forward to that album. So that's that one repeat. Uh, our label mates Home Truths have a new single out. I think it's next week. Um, yeah. Go Over You, which is going to be really badass. Like all five of those bands that I mentioned actually are on the uh, pop punk networking spotify playlist as well so if anyone wants to jam that 
I hope people do. It's funny, um, I, man, I discover so much music through doing this. And yet I'm that sucker that I'll go onto Spotify and I'll be like, oh, that band I've listened to 10,000 times before, I'm going to listen to them. And, and that's not through like pig-headedness or anything. It's just a weird thing where you kind of get like overloaded by yeah. the amount of new stuff that comes through, you know? It must be, is it odd or difficult trying to create this like music in the space when everyone feels super productive and there's just so much sort of sound out there like you know you got to figure out where you fit in and getting people's attention and they're just all that stuff yeah i mean i think that's kind of something that we struggled a lot more earlier um in our in our career with but i think that like as time's gone by we've we've definitely honed in on what the core a few too many sound is and i think luke would agree that you know now uh, when we write stuff it's it's inherently a few too many it's not um, I mean, obviously, we are influenced by other bands, but it doesn't sound, our music doesn't sound like our influences anymore. I think it sounds like us, whereas when we started out, that was kind of flipped on its head. That was the opposite way around. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we've gone from kind of having that, you know, very Blink-182, Green Day type sound early on to um, kind of a really good mixture of various genres really not just pop punk i mean it's still it's still very much pop punk at its core and yeah um, that's never going to go away but you know you can hear that kind of especially in our last single history you can hear that sort of more metal influence and more hardcore influence yeah um, that wasn't there before and now our sounds probably kind of closer to that you know earlier day to remember uh, yep. me versus hero four year strong kind of kind of sounds Definitely. I mean, there was a quote that I saw uh, somebody uh, written about us quite recently, and I think it's probably one of my favourites, which kind of encapsulates uh, our sound for me, which is nostalgic pop punk presented in a modern frame. And I think that's kind of, that kind of sums up a lot of our sound. I, I you know, I'm the kind of person that would write that, but I don't really know what it means. <laughs> um, it's funny, the... Where was I going with this thought? I don't know, fucking lost it. Um, I think, okay, let's talk about Data Remember because I really like Data Remember. Um, and I know a guy that listens to this podcast that doesn't like a Data Remember. So I like to talk about a Data Remember as much as I fucking can. Um, how was the new record for you guys? Well, not for me, I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, I'm not for me. I'm going to say I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, you know, obviously. I completely understand progression and you know trying out different things i think i'm probably a bit stubborn and also stuck in the kind of the homesick era for me like that was that's peak a day to remember um and you know whilst obviously i appreciate the you know the progression over time and obviously you know bands have got to try different things and you know that's what it's all about um but yeah it, it's not I wouldn't say that I stick it on repeat like I do for for homesick. Like I did give it a chance and I had a listen through, um, but it just didn't. It didn't really. There was like one or two songs on there. I think last chance to dance. Um, I I do enjoy that, um, but like the majority of it wasn't personally for me. But that's not to say it's not good. Just not to my taste. Yeah. Same for you, Luke. Pretty much. Um, I mean, I've. I think. 
you know, if, if that's the album they want to make and that's the album that they enjoy playing and it does well for them, then fair play. That's, you know, that's what they want to, that's what they want to do. It's their band. They can do kind of what, what they want with it. Um, as a fan, you know, it's just not, not my sort of thing. Um, very, I guess, kind of similar to Danny in that, you know, the homesick era was kind of when I got into them and, you know, even like Bad Vibrations, I quite enjoyed despite it getting quite mixed reviews at the time but yeah this one's just not my kind of thing unfortunately so my theory on it is Mm -hmm. that it's a transitional album like the new architects album it's a little bit like that's the spirit but not quite all the way there you know they would they just came out swinging they were like fuck it we're done with this weird screaming shit we're gonna go the other direction everyone was like this is weird but kind of cool i guess and i think I think that's where they're going with that. I think that it's an interesting outcome. Like, I mean, they've been around 15 years, right? And it's like, they're all dads now and they're all married. And I yeah. think it's always weird seeing like your idols grow up. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's that, that sense of like, I think of a day to remember like you guys, I think of, you know, high school, early sort of university, um, common courtesy, whenever, I mean, that came out, God, 2013, was it or something and i think it's weird yeah. like the way we use albums they because they signpost our lives as much as they signpost everyone's lives right but yeah. for me it felt like i looked up and it was like oh fuck they grew up you know like they're all dads and they're all married mm-hmm. and when the shit did that happen that was the kind of big like that was the big moment for me was just going oh, okay they're not kids anymore and like yeah. neither am i fucking hell <laughs> And I know how that sounds, but I think it's interesting seeing that in music, right? And I'm sure you guys will look back in like 15 years and be like, damn, you know, when you put, you put, you know, four or five guys in a blender and it's always going to be relatively the same, right? But there's always that sort of like, I think movement over time that you don't necessarily see. I don't know. I'm just monologuing at this point. No, I agree. Um, and I actually think that, you know, it can also go the opposite way. Um, and in, in some sense, you could say that bands really never get to win because oh, 100%. If, it goes, if it goes the other way and they do come out with a new homesick and essentially do what kind of what Blink did with California, um, that will in turn, you know, that can get massively slated. Like, oh, why haven't they grown up? Why haven't why aren't they writing new uh, new material that suits their lifestyle now? Like, why are they still writing songs as if they're in high school? So you know, there isn't really any winning in that kind of situation. I think, you know, certain parts of your core fan base will always appreciate certain, uh, you know, elements of your music and other, uh, you know, other areas of your fan base are going to appreciate the, you know, the more like modern or experimental uh, start of your stage, sorry, of your career. Um, So I think that, you know, different, different albums and different songs appeal to different people. And that's what it kind of comes down to. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of the whole, the whole shebang right this whole thing we call music it's yeah. it's super interesting for me though because i feel like when you get a band like that it's, it takes a certain level of fame before that stuff starts to become relevant you know like the feeling from the new beartooth album is that it's going to mm-hmm. be fairly similar to the yeah. last one and i'm kind of like okay like i know that caleb shomo is the kind of guy that could release a dubstep album if you fucking wanted to so like what, you know, like what's in it, right? There's got to be something like in his creative process. But I feel like Beartooth's at that level where like if it sounds exactly like the last one, there's going to be some Twitter people that are a little bit upset. 
and it's an it's interesting to see when bands like reach that level right and go and it starts to become a massive thing yeah and i think like across the scene as well like if you if you look at like all of the different bands that a lot of us grew up with uh you have you know they're all trying different tacks like you have obviously a day to remember have come out with that new album and you know that entirely new sound and that's like thrown thrown the fan base for a loop like they're not sure what to you know what to make of it and then you have bands like uh, newfound glory four years strong who have very much retained that kind of core sound um, and four years strong i think one of the rare bands that are managing to still do it but it doesn't get old if that makes sense like it it's the same kind of sound but it's not it, it doesn't sound old it doesn't sound rehashed it still sounds modern um and i think it's like that's the tricky thing is trying to kind of find that balance that doesn't totally alienate like your original fan base the people who originally got into your music but you can still kind of progress in your music at the same time yeah i mean you see the same i'm so i'm a massive very tomorrow fan and listening through if you go back to 2010 2011 and listen to portraits and then listen to cannibal now like all the way through their albums it's still very much a metalcore album and that i don't think they're ever going to be accused of doing a you know in a day to remember for example um but the sound is different on each album yeah whilst not completely throwing out all of their core sound and i think that is that for me is key and i think we're certainly a band that would look to do the same i don't think we'll ever get to the point where we're going and you know doing something that's completely different for an entire album you know maybe one or two songs here or there um but i think if you can keep something if you can still keep that same core sound whilst showing that you're adding little bits in here and there i think that's kind of usually enough to get get to the point where you can start drawing in new people yeah. who won't necessarily have heard you but also still retaining you know your main fan base because you know let's not forget every single band that's done this the majority of the fans you know a lot of them are going to be have been there since day one and you can understand why some band why some fans get so wound up with it um when you put you know maybe 10 15 years of your life supported the band and now they come out with music that you don't like um and as danny said earlier like, the bands can't win yeah. in the situation you know they've got to play music that they like not necessarily what everyone else likes yeah so you beat me to the punch there fella because i was going to say how did how does that uh tie in with you guys like when you're making music are you thinking what are people going to like or are you doing it for a few too many first and then hoping people follow like what's your your process around that oh um, it's authenticity is a hundred percent key with us and from the very first time that like all five of us in this lineup got together in a room you know we were a hundred percent on the same page about that and about our sound and how we don't want to lose that kind of core uh you know core sound of the band and our core ethic and our just our diy ethos like those are things that we're really passionate about we don't want to lose any of that um so you know so going forwards like luke says we will uh, and we have, you know, on, on the rest of the EP that's going to be dropping throughout the year, um, you know, we've, we we do have elements on there that certainly aren't on any of our releases before, but you will still be able to hear that kind of core sound of the band. Like, you'll still be able to tell that it's us. Um, and I think that's kind of the, 
you know the thing that we want to maintain yeah I mean, we definitely just we write what comes you know naturally at the time uh, but i don't think you know we, we don't really set out to write a song that go that must sound like something or to go yep this one must be heavier this one must be lighter etc it's just what kind of comes out at the time and with the influences that we've got across the five of us i mean sometimes you get a song that sounds like history sometimes you get a song that sounds like sunday which is a, you know a little more on the sort of radio friendly side we've got another track on the ep that isn't out yet um that is completely different to really anything that we've ever done before yeah and um really can't wait for sort of people to hear that and see what they make of it but it is just what what we feel like is right at the time do you feel like authenticity changes over time like what's authentic to you now may or may not be in like 10 years and it's a, always an interesting question to ask bands because your cycles are longer than mine like i do one of these a week whereas you guys might do an ep every two years so like i can look back and be like uh yeah that week i didn't quite feel as uh, authentic sounds slightly wanky but you know the the sort of style shifts and changes right it's the yeah. the things you talk about shift and change like and obviously you guys have a bigger gap between that so yeah do you feel like over time what is authentic to you changes yeah, um, I mean, if you look back at Solid Ground, for example, I, I still think when I I joined the band when, I, well, pretty much all of the songs were written. I think Ghosts was the only one that wasn't. Um, and the you've only got to look at the the difference in the lyrics in the musical style to the lyrics and music that we're writing now to see that you know stuff does change over time. Yeah. Um, I mean, Danny would be able to speak more on the writing for Solid Ground because him and Jez did most of that. But certainly now with all five of us writing it, you know, what people's lives change, people's circumstances change. Um, and they're usually the, what we write about are generally personal experiences. Um, so, you know, further down the line in, I don't know, a year, two years, however long it'll be when the next release comes out, no doubt lyrically and um, musically that's probably going to be different as well yeah I think where you're at in life definitely plays uh, a massive part um, I know some people are able to sort of like dig back into their their teenage mindset and you know and write a song in that format but I've never been uh, you know never been really any good at kind of doing that I very much kind of write from the experiences that I'm going through at that particular time so you know, lessons learned and solid grounds, those releases were products of their time. And I certainly wouldn't be able to kind of get back into that mindset and write a song like that now, because I'm in the, you know, I, I'm in the here and the now, and that's a totally different, uh, you know, mental place to where I was then, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's fair. As you get older, though, it's like, oh, what's going on in my life? Fucking rent and bills and yeah, <laughs> how much work sucks. That always feels like a slight... Um, yeah it's an it's it's interesting or slight shift right as you kind of move through life all of those things that become that were like big and song worthy as you get older start to become smaller right like yeah. you're like oh i can navigate interpersonal relationships i can like now i just fucking hate having to pay rent <laughs> yeah well i mean it, you know I, i'd find it super weird if i like turned around now and wrote a song about being back in school because obviously that's <laughs> that's a, a little while ago. ago so uh yeah so that's uh that's completely completely different era it feels like to me now so it's 
I, I can only write kind of where I'm at at this moment in time. So I, I always like talking about um, the writing side of, of lyrics and stuff. I'm not going to ask you what your lyrics mean, um, but I'm always curious about two things. The first is that sort of getting used to that vulnerability and getting used to um, putting yourself out there like that. Um, and the second one is the sort of like editing process that you go through and the masking process and that idea that, you know, like we all write stuff down to get it out, but then each word has to fit in perfectly and how that kind of changes from where you started. So talk to me first a bit about that vulnerability thing. Does that get easier or as you get bigger, is it kind of weird going, man, I'm going to write this song about a bad day, for example, and people are going to listen to it and take 10,000 of the meanings from it. And they're going to listen to it on their bad days and their good days. Like, do you get used to that shit? Luke, do you want to answer? Yeah, it, like, over time you kind of get more comfortable with it, I think. Um, I think when you're starting out, it's something that's quite scary for a lot of people to do, um, especially because, you know, they may have issues that they're kind of keeping to themselves, not really. They don't want anyone else to know that it's them. And um, I think, yeah, as people, if anything, I think people taking different meanings from what you write actually kind of helps that process because yeah. you can sit there and go, oh, good, they haven't guessed it yet. Thank God for that. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it comes. It's not easy, I think, for anyone. Occasionally you'll get someone that will quite happily, you know, part on their sleeve and put it all out there. But, um, yeah, it takes time. It takes practice. And I think as you kind of get more confident as a songwriter, then you're more you're more likely to to either find a way of putting it so that you're writing in, you know, more metaphors, for example, rather than just, you know, straight up, I hate my life, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, I don't know about you, Danny, on that, but... Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and I think there, there certainly is, you know, going back to what you were saying, there is an element of that vulnerability. Um, and especially if you're naturally not somebody who likes to be vulnerable in front of other people. Obviously, as a songwriter, you are literally kind of bearing your soul to the world. Um, and if you're writing your life experiences down and turning them into songs, then that's out there for, you know, for the whole world to consume and to interpret how they do. But then that's always the, like kind of the most interesting part for me is that when people then finally do get the, you know, listen to the songs, they interpret them completely differently like some people will interpret it as a relationship and some people interpret it as a friendship uh some people see it as like uh you know a, a family connection um or about something that somebody's struggling with uh you know in in their workplace like it's it, it never fails to kind of astound me how because in my mind when you write something you know obviously as the songwriter you know exactly what it's about but then you forget that when other people pick it up and listen to it that they're all going through something completely different. They're not necessarily going through the same things. So they're going to apply, uh, you know, your lyrics to their situation. And I think that's really cool. I did an interesting interview with Fresh, the London punk band. Um, when this goes out, it'll be a couple of weeks ago. And it's interesting because obviously you guys, you can do that. You can put it out. People interpret it in different ways. But when I'm having conversations with people like Fresh, like Era, like the, those ones where it gets sort of super intimate. We start digging into like who we are and why we do the stuff that we do. You can't misconstrue that stuff. 
And it's the thing for me, I mean, there's two things. Firstly, it's easy to forget that there's like an audience and that there's people, you know, when you're just hanging out chatting. But the second is that it also just feels like throwing it out into the void. You know, like you take it and you throw it out and someone in fucking Nebraska might listen to it. And it's like, okay. It's like an odd, you're just like, that doesn't matter. Like if my mum was listening to it, it might be a bit weird, you know, but if like random stranger number 12, it kind of, it gives me enough distance, right? Both mm. literal and kind of mental, um, which seems to be perfectly back into that editing thing I wanted to ask you. Because obviously you start a song, you write it down, and then, you know, from draft one through to say draft 15 of those lyrics, like how much do things change and how much do you originally go from here was this idea um, about a relationship to it evolving into like a different story or a different concept or a different set of feelings? Well, honestly, the, the, the process of songwriting has completely shifted from when the band started to where we're at now. Um, because the way that it used to work is that one or two people would kind of write most of the song in a total vacuum, like in their own room, and then, uh, you know, bring it to practice. Everybody else will kind of, uh, you know, group together and learn it. And then that would be how it was going forwards. But the way that we approached this record and the way that we're going to continue to do things in the band now um, is between the five of us, because, you know, we, we feel that that's the best way to do it. And that way we've got everybody's input. Um, and, you know, that means that everybody is as invested in the song as each other. Uh, so all five of us now write together. Um, and obviously where possible at the moment, obviously COVID has made that difficult, but, uh, you know, where possible, we like to get together in the room and, and come up with things on the spot. Um, and we were able to start doing that obviously before COVID hit. Um, but that is very much the way that this EP, uh, has come together. All five of us have had our involvement on it. Yeah. And I think, um, the, I mean, in terms of how much like the songs change, for example, um, I mean, a lot of the time, the main structure of the song will still kind of be there. Um, and then there'll be some small tweaks once the rest of us kind of get our hands on it from whoever's bought it to the table for the first place. I mean, there's some tracks on the EP, um, like Sunday History, for example, that we actually started writing, I mean, Jesus, nearly three years ago now. Yeah. It's crazy. And then um, the four of us at the time, because Rob wasn't in the band, um, you know, we'd already written, you know, the lyrics for a lot of them. And then when Rob came in, it was, okay, how can he make these better by putting his own spin on it? And I don't think we've ever, I don't think we've completely thrown, you know, an entire song lyrically out the window. No. Um, thinking across the EP, but, um, you know, for the most part, it has been just like small tweaks here or there. I think there's only one that kind of had any major changes um, which we haven't released yet, so I won't name it. But um, oh, give me an exclusive! Come on. <laughs> um, I, well, it's the song. We, it might come out by the time the show comes light. out. Pardon? It might have come out by the time the show comes out. So yeah, we. Um, it's one that it's one of the ones that we were playing live for um, sort of a couple of years in a different sort of format. I think it's had probably three iterations now at this point before it was recorded. But, um, the other thing as well is that we uh, we're quite blunt with each other when we don't like something. Yeah, there's not a lot of feelings spared. Um, 
And I think it's really important that we can have that level of honesty yep. because it, all five of us have only got, you know, the band's interests at, at heart. We want everything to be the best that it can be. And if that requires having to temporarily kind of, I wouldn't say hurt someone's feelings, but to go, you know, that's a bit crap, actually, we need to do this in a better way. As long as it, yeah. Yeah. it's kind of constructive and not just, you know, oh, that's crap, this is crap, throw that out, etc. cetera. Um, that is a really, really important part of our sort of writing. Yeah. And our relationships with each other as well, because I think we're all close enough friends that we can do that. I think it's slightly more difficult. Yeah, and we wouldn't take it personally. Like there is no, there's kind of no room uh, in our kind of modern day songwriting now for like any preciousness. And I think probably, you know, back when I started the band, I was probably a lot more kind of precious about things that I wrote. And because you you very much, it's, you know, it's personal to you. So you feel like it's your baby. But then as time's gone by um, and, you know, because obviously we all get on so well, uh, like Luke said, there is, you know, there, there's no boundary like that between us. Like we can just be honest with each other and say, look, that really doesn't work. That's that's a bit crap. That's a bit naff. Um, and then go back to the drawing board with it and come up with something better because none of us wants to put out anything that's, you know, substandard. At the end of the day, we all want to put out something that's that's good. So we keep working at it until we do. You mentioned that lyrics don't often go like go through that many iterations and stuff. Does that is there a sense in there that it f- would feel odd for someone to sort of come in and like line edit the lyrics? You know what I mean? Like there's a sense of sort of literary things at play and copy editing skill and all of that stuff that goes into getting something that can be, you know, sung in a melody and over music and all that sort of jazz. And we kind of do some of that sort of just ourselves anyway, between yeah. us. I mean, um, I think there's a couple of us at least that are kind of, would go quite happily go full grammar Nazi on someone if their <laughs> the lyrics don't make sense or um, you know something's just really out of place and just doesn't work. Um, so yeah, it's we're quite harsh. I think we've got a lot better at that certainly on this record. Um, you know, I think I'll, you look back to Solid Ground and it's don't get me wrong, it's a record that we you know we're still proud of. We're happy we got it out, but. We also now look at it back and go, well, actually, that's something we can improve on. That's something we can, we could maybe have done a bit better on at the time. And yeah. I think, you know, no pun intended, we are, we have learned a lot of lessons since the last couple of records. Yeah. And hopefully, this EP, you, you know, you can see and kind of hear that progression in the lyrics and the music and everything else. You explain the lyrics to each other, or do you just go, hey, I wrote some lyrics? Like, can you help me make them better? Uh, we do for the most part, don't we? Yeah, we share them quite quite a lot back and forth. In uh, we have a running band chat going on Facebook all the time. So between uh, band practice, we're always dropping bits and pieces in there anyway. And then by the time we get around to band practice, obviously we'll uh, you know kind of take the better bits of that and then try things out. Um, and then you know whatever, we'll keep going until something sticks and sounds good. Um, essentially. But we've got that kind of constant communication going in in between time where if one of us writes a verse or a chorus and you know nothing else then we'll stick that in the band chat and then the rest of us can sort of jump on it and be like well okay how about if we added this yeah, having, sorry look you go so i was going to say having the 
sort of explanation of what the lyrics are is important when other people are trying to jump in because you know there's no point us me write me writing a verse about one thing and then Danny coming and adding a chorus that's you know almost completely unrelated yeah. so we do you know make sure that everything's kind of synced up and yeah that we're all kind of speaking from the same page you mentioned before that everyone wants to do everything that's in the interest of the band right which makes sense right none of you want it to like implode and become a sort of some kind of monster style thing mm -hmm. but um did you have to learn that sort of i want to call it business now and i'm going to double down on that i'm going to call it business now because after a yeah. while if you want a band to become a career it's business right effectively yeah. like did you guys have to learn that figure that out together on your own like what were those stumbling blocks like definitely i mean you know when i started the band um, I certainly wouldn't hesitate to say that I was really young, really naive, um, just heading out into the industry with dreams of stardom and, you know, playing... Egg we all have those dreams, mate. <laughs> playing a guitar in front of the bathroom mirror, um, all of that kind of, all, all that jazz. Um, and obviously, as time goes by, you get more of a sense on reality and you learn, you know, that the real world isn't like that um, and that you have to hustle and one of the people who I've kind of always admired in that respect personally uh, is Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy because he's got a huge amount of business now. So whether you like them or not, um, you know, whether you like their music tip, regardless of any of that, he is a phenomenal businessman and he has worked extremely hard to get them the image and the position that they have. So, yeah. yeah I think, um, I mean, from my point of view, I've so like a few too many have kind of been my first, should we say, real band. Um, so for me, it's kind of been a bit of a, a bit of a learning curve on the music industry side. But so I'm quite lucky that I've been in a corporate environment since that I've been since I was probably 18, 19. So I've already had some of that kind of business side skills anyway. And then I've kind of been able to bring those to the table and then we can adapt them for, you know, how the music industry works. And I think between us, um, we've, it's not perfect, but I think we've, we're doing all right on that yeah. side, I think, safe to say. We've kind of got our DIY ethos and we all kind of in the band, like everybody knows what their strength is. Like certain people are, you know, better at say the audio and the production side of things. And then, uh, you know, others of us are, are better at like the social media side. So, everybody kind of has their, you know, their forte in their area, you know, whether that's design, social media, audio, uh, internet security, website design, uh, you know, we, we try and do as much, we always have tried to do as much in-house as we can. And, you know, even since uh, us joining Loss, that, that was one of the things that we, you know, we were very much on the same page as, as them about. Um, and they, you know, they liked that kind of DIY, uh, ethic that we that we kind of encapsulate because that's for me that's like super important is to kind of I think it's you know obviously you can outsource certain things and sometimes there's there's definitely a need for it um depending on what it is and you know and the uh you know the quality of whatever it is that you, you need to be done at the time but also there is this kind of learning curve I think of first uh, you know having a go at doing something yourself and seeing what the result is and obviously sometimes it's not going to be great and you know it's not going to be good enough and you have to outsource but other times you're going to do something and you're either going to get better at it as time goes by 
and then you know be happy to do it in-house or you find that you have a knack for it and that's kind of trial and error it's about the long game too right like would you have a, a label and a deal now but when that changes and you scale up then we go with the business talk again it's like you kind of want to know how it all works so you don't just get sort of blindsided yeah i watched rocket man recently and um which is a fucking fantastic movie but yeah seeing that whole thing with Alton john as manager and how they you know just kind of got um like rolled into it, it just steamrolled along it kind of stuck with me because like the industry can be so like that if yeah. you're making money like you know if you're in the part of it that makes the money it's like it's just such a, a hungry beast and i always find passion industry so interesting at that point because it's like there's so many people that just love it that make it work but as soon as you get onto that other side it's, it's pretty like doggy dog right it's a yeah. it's an interesting beast yeah i think um that certainly started to come to the front more and it feels like it for me at least in the last um few years or maybe it's just that the information's becoming more public i don't know but you know you are starting to see more stories of you know bands who were forced to write a, a, a record in a certain type of way because that's what will bring more money to the label as opposed to what they actually wanted to write or um you know bands that are have gotten to a dis so much of a dispute over their label that they don't even own they can't even get hold of their music own music anymore yeah um, it's yeah i mean any any industry once you kind of peel back the the edges is all is obviously going to be quite not well nowhere near as glamorous as it may seem out front but um hopefully that's something that we can kind of avoid or at least navigate to the best yeah. of our ability when it if or when that time comes definitely there's there's pros and cons uh in the music industry and you know obviously hollywood would have you make believe that it was all you know lights and glamour and obviously that's you know once you once you get into it you know that that really isn't the case um and there's also a lot of you know of sharks out there who are waiting to take a bite out of new and young bands um, and take advantage of their naivety and, you know, try and get their hands on their money. Um, and, you know, I see that happen a lot. Um, and it's, you've got to be really, yeah, you, you do have to be really careful because if you don't have your wits about you, then, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff can come up and, and, and bite you on the ass and it's not good. I think what a lot of people don't realize potentially listeners more than bands is that what bands are selling is essentially their ideas right is, is their ip it's less about like their ability to play the music and more about the music itself right yeah and and i think that always catches people off guard because it's like you know like oh they can't access their own music it's like why would you sell that and it's like because that's what you're selling like you know like that's the the trade-off for the advance yeah. i'm mean, talking about industry stuff how do you guys find the UK industry in terms of being a band that, you know, wants to, to build it and make it and, and break through? Like, do you see the UK as a long-term sustainable option, apocalypse to one side? Or uh, do you feel like your state, you know, you're going to hit stateside eventually because that's where you've got to be? Um, I guess I kind of have a bit of a mixed opinion on this. Um, the, like, for instance, we're, we're playing a, a headline set in London uh, in July um, and that's going to be our first show back 
since the you know since the pandemic so i'm really excited to play that um, and see what the atmosphere is like especially you know covid permitting of course but um i do still think there is a big scene you know for for alternative music and pop punk music in the uk and you've still got the likes of uh, you know, slam dunk and download, which are thriving and, and hopefully will for, you know, for a long time. Um, but I think Luke would also agree that when it comes to kind of us and where our music's at, uh, we have realized that a lot of our kind of core audience is, is over in, uh, you know, over in America and in uh, Canada as well. Um, so for us, definitely, I would say that on the long, long-term list, uh, is is for us to get stateside and you know and, and hopefully set up a tour over there and we certainly have uh, you know we, we've built up quite an extensive list of contacts and friends over there as well so uh, yeah no, that's definitely somewhere that we we'd like to be. Yeah I think um, the UK's or and certainly where we're based sort of in and around Cambridge is kind of weird um, for our kind of music it's Cambridge is a bit of a black hole I think if you yeah. look at Bands that tour, whether they're huge, whether they're kind of bigger than us, or only slightly bigger than us, you know, they'll play a, whether it's a ten-day tour, whether it's five. Like Cambridge is next to never on the list. You yep. look down the tour dates, you know, they'll play, they play London, they play Norwich, they play Nottingham, Birmingham, occasionally Northampton, occasionally Peterborough. But I mean, I don't remember the last time a pop punk band played Cambridge. Other than and, standing like statues, um, shout out to one of our local bands from Yes, that's true. Those yeah. guys hustle really hard, amazing band. And also, of course, uh, I would be amiss not to mention the late Mallory Knox either, because I was a massive fan of that band. Um, and they definitely did uh, help to put Cambridge on the map. Um, and obviously, they, you know, they did go stateside and then toured with uh, Pierce the Veil, Sleeping with Sirens. Um, so I do, uh, you know, in, in one respect, you know, you definitely are right, Luke, that unfortunately Cambridge does tend to get missed uh, mm. most of the time when when bands are doing UK tours. But hopefully that will be something that will, you know, see change or maybe at a hopefully help to, to be a part of the change. I don't know. Obviously, we'd like to be, but... Um, yeah, I think there's places that are certainly... I wouldn't call it easier to make it because generally you then get a lot more bands in those sort of areas, but... When you look at, shall we say, the hotspots, you know, London's the obvious one. You've got places like Leeds, Le- Leeds, Manchester. Um, you know, they're all places where the alternative scene, you know, whether it's pop punk, whether it's metal, like it thrives in those areas. Yeah. And um, hopefully, it, you know, at some point we'll be able to go and play some shows up there and see what it's and see what it's like for ourselves. But um, yeah, the UK. Is a little bit odd but as danny said i think on the state side hopefully that'll be something that we can make the most of if the opportunity comes up to head that way yeah yeah i mean i think you guys pretty much summed it up but it's essentially just scale right america is just a fucking massive piece of land yeah and yeah. we're a tiny island and so it's like mm-hmm. you can only play leads so many times but you can literally drive up and down the eastern seaboard and play a new city each night right it's just a yeah a scale question it's always i just it's an interesting one you know because like i was talking to shane from silverstein about it and mm-hmm. he was saying that right when they started out they were like okay if we want to make it we have to play the us so they just skipped canada 
they were just like, fuck it. We're not even going to bother with Canada. We're just going to, and obviously they just drove across the border and it's not like a fucking 12 hour flight and visas and all that kind of carry on. Right. Mm. But he was saying that there are bands that are big in Canada that never played the U S and they just sort of realized that they had to do the op- opposite. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because Canada is obviously, you know, similarly sized, but not as, um, I don't know, musically. So I'm not going to say musically literate. I don't think any Canadians listen to this podcast. Fuck it. Um, but it's interesting, you know, to, to that point, most of my listeners are from America and all of my advertising is UK based, which means that they find it purely organically. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they just find it. I don't know. It's the mysteries of the internet. I don't know how this shit works. There's <laughs> a huge scene, uh, alternative scene and pop punk scene over in the States. And I think that's, you know, that's a part of it. Um you know, it's a massive shame, obviously, that Warp Tour came to an end because I never got to go. Did you guys get to go to Warp Tour? No, um, I did get to go to the UK iteration though, which yeah. I think was like I don't know how many years ago that was now, but it was the year that um, Ian Watkins got arrested. Oh I my! Last one because um, I was at that show and it was one of the last that he ever played. Yeah, you're right. Players. You are. You are right. Yeah. No, it was, and. Um, that, that was, was fucking good. traumatizing, wasn't it? I oh, loved yeah. that band. Yeah. And then I heard it and I was like, no fucking way. That's not real. And it fucking was. Anyway, <laughs> as you were. <laughs> so, <laughs> Actually, I do not want to go down that rabbit hole, but I kind <laughs> of do. So that was the, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the only version of Warp Tour that I've been to. And I think that was the first and last time they came to the UK. That's probably why. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was a great experience and a great day. Uh, and it was at uh, Alexandra Palace as well, which is a great venue. Um, and yeah, no, it was phenomenal. So I can only begin to imagine what it would have been like going to, you know, obviously the proper walk tour over in America. Um, and that was all, that's always been something on our kind of on our band bucket list. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed if it ever does come back. Um, hopefully, maybe one day we could tick that off. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it comes, even just from a fan side, hopefully it comes back. Like, there are some wild stories from what I always feel like I I missed out on a chunk of my life because I didn't get to go. And I know how dumb that sounds, but, like, you grow up in the scene in New Zealand and it's fucking tiny and you just didn't get those bands. I think, like, La Dispute and Balance of Composure played New Zealand once and then all of a sudden B and C were no more. And you're just like, God damn it, those bands must have played Warp Tour like 10,000 times, Yeah, you know? And it's it's weird. You feel like you miss out on this kind of, um, I don't know, big sort of growth initi- scene initiation thing. Yeah. Maybe it's just me, but yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, and especially when you see the same name cropping, uh, cropping up on several festivals over in America. And you're like, oh, damn it, I really want to catch them. Like, I wish they'd come over to the, you know, to the UK. Uh, so I totally get that. They've got a tattoo and rock festival in Ohio in a few months. And I'm like, I'm obviously not going to go because, you know, like apocalypse. But it just, that would be fucking madness. Because you're imagining getting a new tattoo and then going into a mosh pit. Like, who even thought those were good ideas? But I'm still going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw, uh, I think there's a festival called, uh, you have to forgive me if I've got the name wrong, but I think it's... That's right. We don't fact check this show. You'll be fine. (laughs) Just make it up. Incarceration? as an ink carceration. I yeah, think. that's the one. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, that's it. Um, and that does look 
absolutely incredible, I have to say. The lineup on that looked phenomenal. So I like to do this thing where I occasionally, so I play, I play a new song at the end of the podcast, which you guys know. Sometimes I like to ask people to tell me about the new song, which is a fun little game because like I said before, I don't want you to explain your lyrics. So I'm going to let you, we're going to have some fun with it. And we could, we could play the latest single off the new EP, which I suppose is where we're going to go. But if you'd like to choose a different song and throw a hat in the ring. Oh, a different, a different A Few Too Many song or any song yeah, at all? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, we're like <laughs> the, the Spice Girls for an hour. Yeah. A different one of your songs. What do you reckon, Luke? So this would be instead of the new song. Instead of history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or do you want to go with history? I don't know. I mean, I think I'd probably go with history. Yeah. I think, it, yeah. It's definitely, I think, our favourite single so far off, off the new EP, so it kind of feels right, too. It prob- it would have been really surprising if you'd gone, yeah, you know what, fuck it, we're not going to go with the single. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the label and the publicist. Fuck those guys. <laughs> So you're gonna lead it in for me. Give me the rundown on 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 history. How'd that shit come together? What was that like? Where does it take you when you listen to it? I'll start off briefly, and then Luke, if you want to jump in and and take over, because I'll lead okay. up to where it came uh, to me br- bringing it to practice, and then everybody else kind of picking it up and taking mm. it over. So the the melody for the chorus and the chorus lyrics itself uh, came to me one afternoon while I was working from home. Um, and I literally just grabbed voice notes off my phone, hit record and hummed and sang it straight into that, shoved it into the band chat on, on Facebook. Um, and then and we ended up taking that to band practice, which is when, Luke? Um, yeah, so, so um, Rob wasn't in the band at the time. It was just um, me, Danny, Jez and Mitch. Um, possibly Mike was still in the band at that point. I can't remember. But... Um, yeah, um, we then started thinking, how could we make that work musically? Uh, I think Jez and Mitch came up with sort of the main riff. Um, originally, it was it was actually played in drop C sharp, I believe. Yeah. And then we've sort of upped it to drop D, um, just because it sounded a little bit better like that. Um, once we had sort of the main the main core of the song down, we started working on the lyrics. So I think can't remember if you were there for the session we did at Mitch's for the lyrics on those, Danny. Um, uh, no, I think the, the chorus was the the only bit that I'd come mm. up with up to that point. Then Mitch essentially kind of demoed the entire thing, like musically. And yeah. then everybody had their input into the lyrics. Mm. And then basically Rob joined uh, and then, again, sort of refit some of the lyrics mm. uh, to make it what it is. I mean, on the demo in front, um, I remember that was that was me, Jez and Mitch, that did the demoing for that, um, because history actually, uh, sorry, history someday actually came out of that demo session. Yeah. At the same time, um, and yeah, lyrically it was just you know joint effort across the board. Rob adding his bits and interests to it when it um, when he joined, and I think was it. One or was it another one? I think we were still changing lyrics in the studio. Yeah. 
like yeah, no, we just were. before recording for uh, right. I think one or two of the lines because we we didn't think we had it quite right. So we, we made some last better. minute final edits in the studio, um, and then it's the history that you can hear today. As they say, the rest is history, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm done. I can retire now, guys. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming and hanging out. It's been good Thank fun. You right. Thank you for having us. So that was local guys, a few too many here on the More Than Punk podcast. We've got their new track coming up now. It's called Unhealthy. You're listening to it at the start of the show. I think it's such a great track. Um, I think it's so cool to see the level of pop punk that comes out of the UK. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in. And I know that my American listeners, um, and there are a decent amount of you, will be sort of more aware of this perhaps, but it's really easy to get caught up in that kind of American pop punk scene. And it's... I think it's always super cool to find pop punk that's coming out of different countries and, and doing really cool and really exciting things. So I think you guys are really going to love this track. As always, hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, at More Than Punk, More Than Punk Podcast. Love to hear from you. And hit like, like? Do people hit like on podcasts? I don't remember. Subscribe. Apple, Google, Spotify. It's everywhere. I saw today that the uh, Joe Rogan experience is exclusively on Spotify. So that's cool if you're into that kind of thing. I'm not exclusively on Spotify, but you'll know that if you're listening. This is Unhealthy. It's a few too many. I'll be back next week. Got some cool stuff coming up for you, including interviews with Another Now and The Guru Guru. Uh, So check those out. See you again in a week.
Just love me, you know you can't help me.